The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in Boston, and here's your top five at five. Is the red-hot jobs market about to slow down? We find out today as the monthly payroll number hits the tape. A path to passage secured. A big win for energy and private equity billionaires as Democrats look to pass a new version of the Build Back Better bill live report from Washington ahead. Elon Musk teasing some very ambitious plans for Tesla in the months and years ahead. He's also splitting the stock, taking a page from Disney. Warner Brothers hitting the reset button on its DC Cinematic Universe, preparing a 10-year game plan it hopes can restart its streaming video ambitions. And tensions simmering in Taiwan. China's war games continue for a second straight day. Nancy Pelosi still in the region. It is Friday, August 5th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and as always, welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. Happy Friday. I am Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us. Let's kick off the hour with a check on the markets and your money right now. In stock futures, they are, well, they are mildly higher. Not up much. Dow up 22 points right now. This after another mixed day for stocks, and kind of a quiet day, actually, but Overall, it has been a very good run lately. The Nasdaq yesterday with its highest close since all the way back on May 4th. A little nice run recently. We're going to have more random but interesting market stats for you coming up in just a couple of minutes. Bonzo, they've been acting a bit differently. They're being bought lately, and yields keep coming down. In fact, bond yields on the 10-year are down below 2.7%. And mortgage rates, if you include points, I know, are below 5% for the 30-year for the first time in months. Maybe good news for the housing market. In the oil and energy markets, crude oil is slightly higher right now, but still only above 88 bucks. This after it closed below $90 a barrel for the first time since February. Crude is now down nearly 20% in just one month, which should be good news for gas prices to keep moving lower. Natural gas, though, prices do remain above 8 bucks. Remember, they were under $3 just below the pandemic and lockdowns hit. That is a big deal for your utility bill. Let's check Europe as well because they continue to deal with sky-high energy costs as well as sky-high temperatures. And there is no relief in sight, at least for energy. Natural gas prices there, if you back it out, still equivalent to about $60 U.S. Dollars equivalent for natural gas in the spot market. That as electricity costs continue to hit new record highs there. All right, around the world, Asia ending the week in the green. We saw some gains across the board there. Look at that, all green. And Europe just getting its trading day started as well. And again, the market's holding up pretty well pretty much everywhere in the world as of late. Europe is down just a little bit, but overall, but a decent run for them. Their energy crisis, though, is job number one. That is going to be the big story from Europe for the rest of the year. Meantime, why don't we get some of this morning's top stories stateside, see what's going on. Christina Partsinevelos is here with those. Good morning and happy Friday, Christina. Yeah, happy Friday. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> Arizona Senator Kristen Sinema announcing late last night she will vote in favor of the Inflation Reduction Act, one that will provide new spending to mitigate climate change and extend health care access while taxing corporations. Without Sinema's support, though, Democrats in the Senate would not have had the votes to push the bill over that finish line. So Sinema says her support came after leaders agreed to remove a provision on closing the so-called carry interest tax loophole that, of course, enables wealthy hedge funds and investment managers to pay lower taxes. Nearly 40 companies, including Ford, Levi Strauss, Lyft, SAP, Shell, and the list goes on, uh, releasing a statement this morning on support of the proposed legislation. And then you've got Tesla shareholders approving a three-for-one stock split as the EV maker looks to attract an even larger number of retail investors to its ranks. The split will bring Tesla shares into the $300 range. No word, though, on when this split takes effect, but Tesla first announced the proposed split back in March. And Facebook parent company Meta Platforms reportedly closing on its first ever corporate bond sale worth roughly $10 billion. According to reports, the bond deal sold in four parts with the longest portion of the offering. That would be a 40-year note yielding 1.65% above the benchmark U.S. 10-year Treasury yield. Orders reached more than $30 billion at their peak during that offering. And proceeds from the sale will be used either for capital expenditures, stock repurchases, acquisitions, or investments. Could be a sign, though. This, uh, Facebook was the first time that they had a drop in uh, year-over-year quarterly revenue. And that was because of ad sales. So there's that bond sale maybe helping. Christina Parsonevelos. Christina, we will see. Sorry, yeah, ahead. there Thank you, you go. Big bond sale there by the by the company formerly known as Facebook and will always be known as Facebook. Christina, thank you very much. Thanks. All right, now to a more serious developing story this Friday morning and the latest on the tensions surrounding Taiwan. China continuing its military drills in response to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to the island earlier this week. Beijing carrying out what they call precision missile strikes yesterday on the waters off of Taiwan's coast. Japan calling on China to end those exercises after five of the missiles fired by Beijing landed in waters near its own borders. Just a short time ago, China announcing unspecified sanctions on Nancy Pelosi. Speaking in Japan overnight, Pelosi said the U.S. would not allow Taiwan to be isolated, adding that Beijing will not prevent American officials from traveling there. All right, it is Jobs Friday, the first Friday of every month with the non-farm payroll numbers out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Job growth expected to slow a bit as the Fed continues hiking rates in an effort to reduce inflation. However, it is unclear whether the labor market will slow enough to tip the economy into recession. This is the first of few jobs numbers the Fed will see before its next policy meeting in September. Let us bring in again Lee Baker president of Apex Financial. Lee, happy Friday. Good morning. It's good to have you back on. How closely are you watching some of these jobs numbers? How closely are you watching and listening to the Fed? Uh, watching the jobs numbers very closely. You know, Brian, uh, the, I think things are slowing down, like you said, but it's still going to be job growth. Uh, and in my opinion, I think the recession is still sometime off in the future. Uh, perhaps not as far off into the future as as previously believed. Uh, but I'm one of those that says, hey, listen, we're not in a recession right now. The economy is still growing. It's simply slowing down. And we haven't really gotten to the point where the economy is truly uh, contracting when you look at all of the factors. 
Yeah, I mean, we can argue over the technical definition of a recession. Technically, I guess we are in one. Others would argue we're not. That just kind of, I think we just kind of lose the plot if we get into that. It may be the weirdest economy, Lee, that I've seen, Steve Leisman, others have seen in years, if not decades. And certain companies are posting great earnings and guidance. Others, not so much. How do you see it right now? It's hard to figure out, at least on my end. It, it, it's extremely hard to figure out. And, and, and to your point, if we sat here and really tried to go into it, it'd be like a soothsayer at the, the county fair and, and looking into a bowl of noodles uh, <laughs> to try to define what's what's going to happen in the future. But it is you know, a complicated brew that we've got going on here. Uh, you've got different sectors of the economy that that's doing well. Uh, you've got different people that are doing well. Now, here in Georgia, I was delighted yesterday, candidly, because I filled up my, my car with gas and it only cost me 60 bucks, uh, but that's a whole lot better than $80. So we're getting some relief on that end. But when we talk about what's going on with the Fed, we've got to figure out, hey, listen, uh, you mentioned uh, as you were at the top of the show that interest rates on mortgages have come down, uh, you know, not back to where they were, but they're down below 5% for the first time. And so that has actually going to have the impact of increasing uh, some activity in, in the housing market. So you're going to have those things combined. And I think that's going to push the Fed to keep their foot on the gas for a little while longer because uh, the economy isn't going to slow down the way they might like. And, if, and it's not going to bring down inflation enough. And here's what's so bizarre is that the stock market is having a really nice little run. I mean, the Nasdaq's up, what, 15 percent? In 30 Absolutely. days, Lee, but at the same time, the 10-year yield is back under 2.7%, with the bond market sort of indicating that a major slowdown is coming. I, I just, I'm not sure which one to listen to. Uh, I, I think it's a function of listening to both. What we're talking about here, in my opinion, is a matter of timing. Um, things aren't bad all over, right? And, and so what we're seeing in the stock market, in my opinion, is that, hey, listen, things really aren't so bad. The market's oversold um, and have gained back some of that overselling, in my opinion. Uh, the bond markets tell us, hey, listen, we're not out of the woods and a recession may be yet to come. Yeah. And what are you advising your clients to do with their equities right now, Lee? So it, it depends on the stage. You know, I've uh, had some conversations recently with clients that have new money, so to speak. And uh, over the past month, I absolutely thought this was a good time to get into the equity markets. Again, uh, when you're sitting there and at the time of some of those conversations, depending on what you're looking at, S&P down around 20 percent, uh, you know, NASDAQ down around 30 percent or, or thereabouts. It's a great time. For those who have a long enough time horizon, I still think it's a good time for equities, but be comfortable with the fact or at least be cognizant yeah. of the fact that things are likely to get choppy through the remainder of this year. I do not believe we're going to test uh, the lows back in June, uh, but this run up, I don't think, is really uh, the beginning of a complete upcycle. Yeah. Uh, you know, come uh, September, I would not be surprised at all with a bit of a pullback. Yeah, a lot of low-quality stocks leading parts of this market here. It's well said. Good advice, Lee Baker. Apex Financial Lee, have a great Friday and a great weekend. Thanks for getting up. Enjoy your weekend, Brian. Oh, I will. I'll sleep. All right, we've got a lot more to do on this Friday when we come back. Leslie Picker is here with the latest on what some big hedge funds are doing in the boardroom. PayPal has to do with it. Plus, 
Just how far can this big tech stock rally really go? Many of the world's biggest tech stocks up 10% or more in just one month. More crazy market stats coming up for you. And later on, an incredible Friday RBI on just how much money some fast-moving electric car owners are making. And it is not on the stocks. Dow futures up 17. We're back right after this. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back. Time now for some big money movers. Three key stock stories that are happening right now. Let's go. Stock number one, Warner Brothers Discovery. Shares slammed after it posted a Superman-sized second-quarter loss. It's mostly on charges related to the combination of Discovery and Warner Media. Sales missing forecast by roughly $2 billion. Executives citing canceled contracts for the content sharing and slowdown in streaming growth. That stock getting hammered right now, down over 10%. Stock 2 is DoorDash going in the opposite direction, up 11%. Sales topping forecasts of the company, who's Stock has lost nearly half its value in a year, says it is well-positioned to deal with softer consumer spending. Time will tell. In stock three, AMC, the meme stock trader favorite, rolling out 517 million new preferred shares under the ticker symbol APE. As a nod to the individual investors who call themselves apes, who help rescue AMC from the brink of bankruptcy. That stock down about 9% right now on the earnings and We'll watch now the second class of shares that'll be rolling out there at AMC. All right, still on deck here on Worldwide Exchange. More on last night's big win for the Senate Democrats and what support from Kristen Sinema could mean for the future of the now scaled back Build Back Better agenda and a big win for private equity billionaires. Stick around. Today's big number, 95%. That's the year-over-year decrease in U.S. IPO issuance through July to $4.9 billion, according to SIFMA. Total equity issuance is down 80%. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, welcome or welcome back. There is no insider buying today. It will come back next week. So let us give you a special bonus Friday RBI. A most random but interesting thing you may hear all day, CNBC style. And today, let's talk about electric cars. Because they are as hot as some of the temperatures across America. Ford saying that EV sales jumping 169%. Now, of course, you're coming off basically zero. You're going to get some big percentage increases. We get that. But all signs point to very strong demand for the Ford Mach-E and its Lightning pickup truck, as well as Tesla's, Hyundai's, and the Kia EV6. 
I like it because one of my 2022 predictions was for a boom in electric car sales to 10% of the U.S. total market. In fact, right now, one of the hardest things to do is not to buy an electric car, but to get the electric car that you buy. Many are back-ordered with long wait lists. And so, of course, what is going to happen? Well, capitalism will take over. And now a secondary market is being created. Look at the Rivian. There's a pretty amazing little auction market being created because people are willing to pay up to jump the wait list. A friend was scrolling through bringatrailer.com auctions the other day and sent me these. Six Rivian R1T electric trucks that have been resold to new buyers. And I want you to look at some of the prices. On July 20th, a Rivian truck sold for $97,500. There it is. It had 142 miles on it and launch edition badging on the steering wheel. And check out this one, a launch edition quad motor Rivian that went for 10000 more. It sold for $107,500 in California. It had just 75 miles on it. And the other four Rivian auctions were just as big, with prices in some cases nearing $120,000. Now keep in mind, These Rivians retail for about $75,000. And while we don't know exactly what the final price paid for each of them was, it seems likely that the buyers could have made something like $40,000 per truck just by flipping the Rivians. Or maybe something like a 40% profit, not including taxes or fees. So when you consider that Rivian's stock is down about 80% from its post-IPO high, it looks like the Rivian Auto is way better than the Rivian Equity. You might actually say that the market for Rivians has been electric. But we would never say that. That's a dad joke. And hopefully, it's random but interesting. Certainly profitable for those Rivian flippers. All right, on deck, we're going to switch gears. More on the big monthly payroll numbers set to roll out later this morning and whether this technical recession will show up in the jobs number. And as we head to break, just a reminder, a little nudge. If you haven't already, follow our podcast on all the major podcasting platforms hosted by that guy. Dow futures up a little bit. Ten-year ten-year yields, by the way, under 2.7. We're back right after this. Stocks looking to cap what has been a choppy week with a win. Futures pointing higher, and we are digging in, giving you the big winners of the market's recent rally. Cinema signs off. Senator from Arizona getting on board with her party's big health and climate plan. We are live in Washington with what is next for this massive spending bill. And hiring headwinds, a growing number of high-profile companies pumping the brakes on adding jobs and even cutting jobs in some cases what it may signal about the health of the broader American economy. It is Friday, August 5th, and you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Friday morning. Thanks for joining us. I'm Brian Sommel. Let's kick off this half hour with a check on the markets and your money. And right now, stock futures, they are mixed. Dow futures are up just a touch. Yesterday was actually one of the narrowest trading ranges that we have had all year I won't say it's boring. Others have used that term. I won't. Okay, I just said it. It was boring yesterday. Dow futures up 37. NASDAQ down. It is August. A lot of people, of course, taking off to their 
mansions in the Hamptons. Not boring in the oil and energy markets. Crude oil a little higher right now, but it's been on a downtrend in a big way the last couple of weeks. It closed below 90 bucks a barrel yesterday for the first time since February. It is now down nearly 20% in a month, which, of course, will be good news for gas prices to help keep moving lower. One thing I will add, though, about oil, the physical market, what actual oil is selling for, OPEC, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia raising selling prices. This, what we're showing you here is the paper price. That is the contract future, and there is a disconnect. I just want to point that out. All right, speaking of gasoline prices, though they are coming down, wholesale gasoline prices now down 24% in a month. That is 6% more than the price of oil has come down. Remember all the talk about gouging gas station, mom and pop gas station owners were just lining their pockets with fur-lined Rolls Royces gouging the consumer? Well, now gas prices are actually down more than the price of oil. I guess they, I guess they sold their Rolls Royce. All right, your insider buying segment should return next Friday when earnings rollouts start to slow down. So right now, let's dive a little bit deeper into what has been a nice little rally for the markets lately and bring out some stock stats, worldwide exchange style. Here we go. 26 names in the S&P 500 have risen over 25% in the past month. A few of those have jumped over 40% in that time. So who's winning? Well, here you go. Here's the best of the best in the S&P 500 since July 5th, one month ago. Enphase Energy, battery company, up 51%. Monolithic Power Systems, great name, up 45%. And On Semiconductor, up 45% as well. Remember, we spoke to their CEO out in Phoenix earlier this year. But that hasn't been the top index, the S&P 500. In fact, the NASDAQ 100 is up 15% in just 23 trading days. That is a remarkable run. Small caps are the next best performer. NASDAQ 100 in a month, up 15%. Russell 2000, up 10%. And the S&P 500, up 8.5%. So what about traders' top favorites across all the major indexes? Well, you don't have time to do the work, but we do. So we dug them out for you. And the best of the best, from small cap to mid cap to big cap, are these. Excellus Technology, up 64%. That is a Massachusetts-based semiconductor company. Celsius, up 60%. That is a drinks company getting a big investment from Pepsi. And Calix, up 68%. The company that helps smaller broadband players compete. And the best performing stock across small, medium, and large cap indexes is Diebold Nixdorf, which has doubled. Now, the stock's been a disaster over the past 12 months, down about 58%, but shares are popping lately, more than doubling in just 23 trading days. But as good as it's been, it is not all wine and roses. There are stocks that have been down in this rally and sort of the womp womp award for the worst performer in the S&P 500 over this big run, it has to go to gold miner Newmont Corp. Shares down 25% in just 23 days. So fair to say that all that glitters in this market may not be gold, but still a pretty doggone good run over the last month. All right, got developing news out of Washington. Democrat Senator Kirsten Sinema on board with her party's big spending package paving the way for its passage in the Senate. Lon Moy joining us now with more on what we know and what still may be, Lon, from what I understand, 
still to change with some of these weird bird bath named after the former Senator Byrd parliamentarian rules this weekend. Well, that's right, Brian. Democrats did take a big step forward, though, when they struck a deal with Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema that could cement the 50 votes needed to pass their new tax and spending bill. Sinema got Democrats to drop any changes to carried interest in exchange for her support. Instead, two sources tell me the Democrats plan to impose a new 1% excise tax on stock buybacks to make up this lost revenue. Now, carried interest provision would have raised $14 billion. The Joint Committee on Taxation projected a previous version of the stock buyback tax that was passed by the House would have raised $124 billion over a decade. Now, NBC also reports that the new 15% corporate minimum tax would still allow companies to take advantage of accelerated depreciation and that the deal would add billions of dollars in funding for drought mitigation. In a statement, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he believed every Democrat would support this compromise. He said, quote, the agreement preserves the major components of the Inflation Reduction Act, including reducing prescription drug costs, fighting climate change and closing tax loopholes exploited by big corporations and the wealthy and reducing the deficit by $300 billion. Now, the Senate will reconvene on Saturday to begin voting on the bill. That process is expected to take all weekend, Brian. So final passage, if it happens, is not expected until Monday. Back over to you. All right, so let's talk more about what is in this. Obviously, Kirsten Cinema is saying that she wanted out with that carried interest tax provision. So that, I guess, has to be viewed as a big win for billionaires. I was tweeting out last night that, you know, sort of private equity wins again. It's being seen as kind of a clean energy, renewable energy type win as well. But also maybe a win for, for oil and gas stocks, because I'm thinking if, there, if there's an excise tax on stock buybacks, Investors may look to go more with dividend payers because there's less tax implication. Dividend payers tend to be in energy right now. What do we know that that may get through this final bill? Yeah, I mean, to your point, Brian, there is still a lot of questions about what will be in the final text of the legislation. Cinema chose her words very carefully in her statement and saying that um, she is ready to move forward, not exactly that she would vote for the final bill and that her support is still contingent on that birdbath scrub that you were talking about by the Senate parliamentarian. So there are still some questions around uh, whether a cap on insulin will make it into the bill, on insulin prices would make it into the bill, um, some of the EV tax credits. Um, whether or not those, the way that they're structured, would be allowable under the Senate's complex rules in this legislation as well. So there are still some question marks here, um, but it does look like Democrats are coalescing around this compromise. And certainly with Cinema's statement, they are getting yeah. a lot closer to that day of final passage. Elon, how much is this just build, build back better, got politicized like everything does? That was the president's plan. Is this pretty much just build back better under a different name or is it pretty much an entirely different package? How similar are they? I would say that they're pretty different, Brian. I mean, this does leave out a lot of 
what Democrats said were major priorities. The whole child care sort of care economy component of Build Back Better is left out of this package. It's really just focused on health care and on climate. Democrats would say those are still two big priorities and still two big wins. The price tag is also a lot smaller. $740 billion is a total revenue raise, but the total spending in this bill is closer to about $430 billion. Mm-hmm. Build Back Better was closer to $2 trillion, so the size is a lot smaller. The priorities have been slimmed down, um, but Democrats are certainly hoping to cast this as a win heading into the midterms. Yes, although the UPenn study that was just out says the Inflation Reduction Act will actually increase inflation until 2024. But hey, it's marketing. We get it. We'll watch this weekend. Elon Moy, thank you very much. All right. Cuts, freezes, slowdowns, reevaluations, whatever you want to call them, just some of the words that executives in technology have been using recently to describe their game plan for hiring for the rest of this year and into next year. Among the companies tapping the brakes on hiring, Robinhood, well, it's got its own problems, Oracle, Google, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Spotify, and more. The reasons range from macroeconomic headwinds to just straight-out cost-cutting. But are technologies hiring headwinds an isolated thing or a bigger sign of things to come for the broader American economy? Joining us now is ZipRecruiter Chief Economist Julia Pollack. Julia, welcome back to the program. What say you? you? How do you read the jobs market right now? Well, we just got the job openings and labor turnover survey data this week, and that showed a big slowdown in hiring in a couple of industries already having taken place in June. Uh, an 18% drop in real estate, an 8% decline in professional business services, a 10% drop in wholesale trade. And then there were some big drops in job openings that hint at further declines in hiring in the coming months. A 29% drop in retail uh, and another big drop in construction as well. So... There are some warning signs that hiring may be cooling down in a broader set of industries. Yeah, I sent my my team a quote from the great Julia Pollack yesterday. You were talking, (laughs) I think, to Steve Leeson about the jobs market. So I'm going to quote you back to you. And Julia, you had talked to them about a uh, what you called, I think, was a dramatic reallocation of capital. I hope I'm quoting you correctly. Meaning that this job market is let's just be let's just be I, I don't know how to phrase it. It's screwy. It's weird. It's hard to figure out. There's people have just vanished from the workforce. You can't find enough people over here, but yet there's 11 million open jobs. It's a weird time. Well, you have very, very strange conditions prevailing during the pandemic. We had record low mortgage rates. We had record fast growth in house prices. Uh, and then you had these very, very low interest rates that uh, you know, meant that the only place you could really get a return was in the stock market. And so uh, tech companies were, were seeing investors throw money at them uh, and totally re- relax uh, the conditions on that funding. That has now changed because interest rates are rising. And so investors can get a risk-free return somewhere else. They don't need to accept this huge amount of risk. Uh, and then, of course, the housing market has cooled dramatically with that, in- with that increase in interest rates. Uh, it's, you're not seeing every American try to refinance their mortgage all at once. Uh, so you know, in that Jolts report, we saw that the biggest decline in hiring took place not in any particular industry, but in one business size class. And that is large companies with a thousand to 5,000 employees. Why? I mean, these are the kinds of companies that are typically publicly traded, that issue stock, and that are now facing a lot of pressure from investors.
investors uh, because of this huge tech route that we've seen. Of course, we're seeing a bit of a rebound there. Uh, we are seeing, uh, you know, a couple of of the things that that yeah. went really dark in in, in June turn around now. Uh, so we're very much at sort of a saddle point in this economy where it's unclear whether you know gas prices will will fall again, um, mortgage rates will fall, uh, whether the stock market will rebound, yeah. or whether there uh, is is bad news, uh, you know, more bad news ahead. The unemployment rate is low, primarily in part because over a million people have simply vanished from the workforce. Unemployment rate measures only people looking for jobs would be much higher if we if we had those million plus people. And, you know, every business owner you talk to says, I can't find workers. You know, you wonder, Julia, where they went. A lot of people have just reevaluated, reevaluated their lives. I get that and said, I want to do this. I want to do something else or I don't want to do anything. Kind of wonder how they're paying their bills. How do you see the job market? This, this jo- the jobs number, to be fair, hasn't mattered for two years because of the pandemic. I think it may start to matter once again. How do you kind of see the macro framework right now? So I think this jobs report is probably the most important one of all because there is such enormous uncertainty. You know, the best case scenario is that the Fed can raise rates just a little bit, that inflation will be very responsive, that inflation will come down all by itself for all kinds of other reasons like a decline in shipping and trucking costs and gasoline prices. Uh, and that, you know, the, the stock market that priced in the risk of a recession long ago uh, is able to rebound, that companies are able to weather the storm because they have, you know, double digit profit margins and are sitting on $4 trillion. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is that uh, the Fed will have to raise rates a lot to get ahead of inflation. That inflation will rage on. You know, in past inflationary episodes, the Fed has had to raise rates above the inflation rate to bring inflation down. Uh, in that scenario, the sort of Larry yeah. Summers scenario, inflation, you know, interest rates become so high that they really do shut the party down. The companies see a large decline in consumer spending and in revenues, uh, and and that's a very painful scenario in which the unemployment rate rises to six percent, uh, as, as you know, Larry Summers has been warning. And yeah. it's very unclear now where we are. Whenever you have that kind of uncertainty, you yeah. see a lot of companies pull back, you know, hold on investments uh, and, and just wait it out. So that's another uh, yeah. factor play. Well, well said. The only thing that does seem clear is the unemployment rate may not be a clear measure of how things really are. Talk to any small business owner about it. They cannot find people. Julia Pollack, thank you very much. It's going to be a busy day for you. We appreciate you taking some time for us, Julia. Have a good one. All right. Big buys from outspoken investors and hedge funds are nothing new. Think about Nelson Peltz, Carl Icahn, David Einhorn, Bill Ackman. The list goes on. But with major deals on the rise and two high-profile investments from Elliott Management this week alone... Are we on the edge of a hedge fund boom? Leslie Picker joining us now with more. Leslie, what do we know? Hey, good morning, Brian. I think the answer is yes. Activism did see a slight uptick in the first half of the year, but still well off the highs of the pre-pandemic era. We have some numbers for you. 390 companies, 390 companies were targeted, about 7% above the first six months of 2021, according to Job, which tracks activist activity. The second half, though, appears ripe with activity already. Elliott confirming stakes in Pinterest and PayPal this week alone, and the ecosystem is bugging buzzing with bankers and advisors to companies and activists alike telling me they're expecting an unprecedented second half of the year. I think we're already setting ourselves up for a good year, but if it continues at this pace, it's likely to be a record year for activism. 
And I predict that unless there's some major event on the back end of the year, notably something macro or something that you know disrupts the markets, there should be a pretty significant amount of activity in the back end of the year. Markets, of course, are a key driver here with valuations somewhat stabilizing in recent weeks for many companies at lower levels. That's especially true of growthy tech, which historically has practically been forbidden fruit among activists because of the tendency to have dual class uh, share structures and high flying stock prices. But I'm told that especially established activists like Elliott aren't really dissuaded by ownership control and are swooping in to buy these stocks on the cheap anyway. There's also a rule change. This is important to know now because it's coming down the pike in September that may favor activists as well as it pertains to something called the universal proxy. This allows shareholders to vote on individual directors from any slate as opposed to siding wholeheartedly with either management or the dissident. So experts believe this could allow activists to get, say, one or two board seats, where in prior instances, they may not have gotten any. So they were like, hey, why not give it a shot? That's that's what experts are expecting, Brian. All right. So I think you and I are like, we're pretty good friends, right? Like, it's like you know, we like high five in the hallway when we see each other, right? Like, we, we tend to see the we same do. way. But I, I will say, you know, you know me, I won't call them the A word. I call them corporate raiders. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when acti- they, just, they remarketed themselves from they used to be called corporate raiders. Now they're called activists. I wish I had that marketing platform, but I, I said I wouldn't say the word, but I just did. All right. So what kinds of demands? How about this? What kind of demands are these kinds of investors making from boardrooms right now, Leslie? What do they want? Yeah. There was, I will add to that, Brian, there was a period of time where they tried to also rebrand from activist to constructivist. Some are still going with that title, with that, you know, explanation as a way of saying, oh, no, we come into the boardroom and we help you. We give constructive advice. But, you know, that that one didn't seem to stick as much. Um, But in terms of the types of the demands that they're making in the boardroom, I'm told that behind the scenes, it really has to do with M&A, transactional types of things, um, you know, sell your company, buy another company, spin off this division, spin off that division, operational changes, they're starting to pick up things like, you know, slim your workforce or pivot more toward this type of R&D, things that are a little bit more specific to the actual business. But in times of volatility, that's really, really hard to do. So a lot of activists are shying away from that. Yeah. You know, people used to call me a, a talking head, Leslie, but I got my PR people to, to change that to <laughs> global thought leader. Does that sound better? Global thought That's leader good. or talking head? I think which one's... I prefer the latter, I think. Next up, Davos Man for you, Brian. Although I don't know if that's positive. <laughs> Davos Man. I love it. Leslie Picker, thank you very much. They won't let me in Davos. I might actually speak my mind. All right, coming up, stock buybacks, recessions, and expansion plans. Oh, my. Phil LeBeau lays out the key takeaways of Elon Musk and company at Tesla's led a shareholder meeting. And as we head to break, a few key more big money movers that are happening right now. Lyft, lifting off on record earnings as ride-hailing rebounds. Rideshare volumes are on track to exceed pre-COVID levels. Who'd have thunk it? Going the other way, Zillow shares slumping. It may take a hit from its exit from its home buying business. Zillow predicting third quarter revenue falling off from one year ago. And third is Expedia, shares jumping on solid earnings. More people still getting out and traveling. Dow futures up 13. We're back right after this. 
All right, welcome back. Let's talk everybody's favorite company or maybe everybody's favorite stock, and that is Tesla. Elon Musk taking the stage for Tesla's shareholder meeting last night. The CEO touching on a wide range of topics from teasing a share buyback, his two cents on a recession, and potential plans for yet another gigafactory. Philippo joining us now with more on what we know. Another just wide ranging and I'd even call it fun, sort of musky in view from Tesla. Yeah, he wasn't negative, that's for sure. Uh, and he was fairly even keel. You're never sure what you're going to get when Elon Musk holds the annual meeting, especially during the question and answer period. Uh, he talked about a wide variety, as you mentioned, Brian. Let's start first off with his economic views, because this will get a lot of attention today. In particular, his belief that, yes, he believes we will have a mild recession. He thinks it's likely. Maybe it'll last 18 months. He says we are past peak inflation. In fact, he says they're seeing rapid inflation drop as they look at future commodities and they start uh, forecasting, okay, we go out six months. Here's what we're seeing in terms of the commodities that we'll need for the vehicles we're building. Speaking of building vehicles, a new gigafactory, according to Elon Musk, is likely to be picked within the last year, next year. He did not hint at where this might happen, but again, he says we might see a site picked by the end of this year, the Model Y, he believes it will be the best-selling car in the world next year. To put that in some perspective, they sold about a half million last year. The best-selling vehicle last year was the RAV4 Hybrid, or the RAV4, I should say, from Toyota. Worldwide sales of 1.13 million. Here's Musk talking about the goals for Tesla and the possibility of hitting 100 million vehicles in total sales within 10 years. I'd say 100 million is pretty doable. So, uh, I'd, be surprised if it's, I'd be surprised if it's not over 100 million in 10 years. And remember, they have talked about a goal of 20 million in annual sales at some point in the future. So you could see why if they get anywhere close to that, and nobody's saying that's going to happen anytime soon, Brian, but if they get anywhere close to that, over time you could add up to 100 million vehicles sold rather quickly. So far I think they've sold just over 3 million. Uh, don't forget, share buyback is likely according to Elon Musk. Lots to discuss, and we'll be having the comments all day long from Elon Musk from yesterday's annual meeting. Brian? You know, Phil... I don't want to give Tesla too much credit, but I probably should because they seem to have almost no problems with supply chains or critical minerals. And all we're hearing from every yeah, other company is like, you know, well, that's, we not can't get that's not true. That's no, not true. Brian, it's not true. It's not to the level of maybe some other automakers. But he's talked about that in the last couple of earnings calls that they have had supply chain issues. So uh, I understand we want to give them credit that they handled it initially better than other automakers, and to a certain extent they have handled it better, but they've had supply chain issues. So when he talks about we're going to be the best-selling car in the world, he's obviously saying yep. we're going to be able to make them. We're going to have the materials to make these cars. Oh, sure. Yes. Look, the, the auto industry, when it comes to the chip crisis, is coming out of it over the next year and a half. We're already seeing an increase in production. It's a gradual one, but there is a, a steady increase in production happening around the world. We're even seeing it here in the United States, and, and that is expected to continue, Brian. So when he talks about it being number one in the world, yes, they do believe that they'll be able to build 
uh, more Model Ys. And that's that's not a surprise. I mean, what we're seeing with Austin, with Germany, is an increase in production. That's going to accelerate over the next year. Uh, big stuff coming out of the Tesla shareholder meeting last night. And, Phil, we appreciate you coming on and talking to us about it. You Phil Bell, thank you. All right, take a short break, and we're back with Lindsey Bell of Ally Invest right after this. All right, let's talk markets and your money. Joining us once again is Lindsey Bell, Chief Markets and Money Strategist at Ally Invest, also a CNBC contributor. Lindsey, great to have you back on today. Got the monthly jobs number out today. Got the CPI, which I think is probably bigger even next week. What are you most closely watching right now? Yeah, I mean, both of those are the key indicators that we've got our eye on. But first, let's get through this jobs data today, because we're supposed to see a continuation of the weakening that we've seen earlier this week in some of the jobs data. So we're going to see a slowdown in the number of jobs that were added uh, in in the month of July from the first half of the year. But that doesn't mean that the wheels are falling off the bus within the jobs market. I think it's still a really tight jobs market. Wages are rising. People are returning to the workforce. And the bottom line here, Brian, is that demand for workers still outstrips supply. Yeah, it certainly does. Now, I'd I'd written on LinkedIn the other day, Lindsay, that I felt that revolving the big jump in credit card debt with rising rates may be the biggest threat to the economy. I understand that debt service is still low, not, not historically low, but close to it. But it is rising. I think that may be the biggest threat to the consumer economy right now. How do you read it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's something we definitely have to keep an eye on. But overall, when I look at the consumer, I still see a really healthy consumer. Um, You know, at the end of the day for the consumer, it comes down to having a job and seeing wage increases that can help at least keep up with some level of the inflation that we are seeing. Granted, Consumers certainly are. They are are digging into their credit. They're using their credit cards a little bit more now to pay for for the cost of those higher prices of goods. But they're still spending on a real basis. It is still up. So the consumer isn't willing to give up on spending, especially on services and experiences that they haven't been able to spend on over the past several years. They still have a decent amount of excess savings. They've only worked their way through about 45 to 50 percent of that. That should get us through at least the beginning of next. Next year. And so overall, I think the consumer, when you when you look at them right now, they are still on healthy ground. Granted, like I talked about the jobs market, like you talked about credit, there are some moving parts that we've got to keep our eye on, though. Yeah, certainly. And that jobs number is coming out in just about two and a half hours time. I won't blink until that number comes out. Lindsay Bell of Ally Invest. Lindsay, thank you. Have a great day and a great weekend. Appreciate it. All right, folks, that's it for us here on WEX. I'm going to be co-piloting Squawk Box for the NASDAQ on Monday and Tuesday. Return to New York City. So tune in. By the way, have a great Friday and a great weekend. Thanks for watching. Squawk is next, and we will see you next week. Take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern, only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. 
See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.